So now's the time for us to develop um, samadhi, this collected, firmly established mind, and to uh, also develop this faculty of recollection, mindfulness, and try and make our mindfulness continuous. Because this quality of mindfulness is one of the factors of the noble path that the Buddha taught that starts with samaditi or right view. It's the vehicle that brings us out of attachment, that allows our minds to let go. But initially, this just happens temporarily. So when we develop our samadhi and our mindfulness is firmly established, then um, wisdom can arise because we have a f firm foundation for that wisdom. And just as any building project we undertake to build a hall, to build a meditation hut, um, this all requires a strong foundation so that the weight of that building can um, rest on the ground and for it to be strong. Well, like any tall building in the world or a house that we build, it needs a strong foundation. So this foundation is that of sila, dhamma, uh, integrity and morality. So like the five precepts that we've all taken up, this is a firm foundation for our hearts, for the practice, for us to develop mindfulness. And when we um, have this, then this foundation, then our mindfulness will be better because of sila, and that sila gives rise to samadhi, and then samadhi gives rise to wisdom. So when monks go through the ordination ceremony, we're taught the benefits of morality and how that can give rise to this firm collected heart. And then we know that from the samadhi, then wisdom is able to arise. And when we have wisdom, then the heart becomes liberated. But this happens in stages. So all throughout the day, and also right now, we have an opportunity to develop um, this faculty of recollection, to stay with our breath as it comes in and leaves. Or if there's a lot of thinking going on, then we can use the meditation word of Buddha as well. Um, whatever works to calm our minds down and relieve them of doubts, because oftentimes there can be a lot of scattered thinking going on, going and worrying about the past. And when this is the case, when there's a lot of thoughts, then we can recollect death and tell ourselves that this life ends in death, that having been born, death is sure, that death is the culmination of our lives. And this is able to cut out all anxiety. So this recollection of death is a um, samatha kamatana, a meditation object that brings the mind to peace. But it's also possible for that object to bring about wisdom. Initially, it'll feel like true wisdom is coming up like we've seen into the nature of anicca, dukkha, anatta, 
but really it's not actual wisdom and it's still within this realm of samatha, of the calming of the mind. But these two objects or these two types of meditation, samatha and vipassana, they go together. So like when we stay with Buddha or we contemplate um, death, these are all objects that are within the 40 kamatanas that the Buddha taught. And um, even though the mind will feel very peaceful and there can be some, some amount of clear seeing that comes up, it's not true vipassana that arises. This true um, vipassana insight it requires seeing clearly into the nature of physicality and mentality and that it's inconstant, um, stressful, not self. But really these two aspects go together and this is how uh, Lumpur Cha taught that just like when we pick up a plank of wood, we don't just pick up one end, we pick up both ends. Or if we take a knife, there's, um, we pick up both sides of the blade. There's the sharp side and the blunt side, and they both go together. So samatha and vipassana, they act as pairs that help each other out. Because if we don't have a firm foundation of calm, then there's no way that we'll be able to see clearly. There may be some kind of seeing, but it's not true vipassana because um, this requires a peaceful mind. But also the wisdom that we gain that comes back to help out our peace of mind as well. So looking into this body and seeing it as being impermanent and changing, um, we do that in order to calm the mind down. Or contemplating the elements is a means of bringing about calm. And so is the contemplation of death. It's using our wisdom faculty to bring the mind to stillness. But some people's character um, works in a different way, that they don't need to use so much thinking. All they have to do is stay with the word Buddha, and that's enough. And they can be with that one word throughout the whole day, um, calming their minds down, bringing them to peace. They're able to just stay there within that one meditation object. It's normal throughout the course of just one day we'll have huge numbers of thoughts that go on and sometimes they can just go on and on and on without end. And when this happens, there won't be any peace in our minds. The mind will just be proliferating and thinking. So we need to find the time to settle the mind down, to collect it together. And we can have just one time in each day that we do this. We won't be able to do it all throughout the day, but we can find moments or periods, um, maybe in the morning and another in the evening, to bring our minds to a state of calm and peace. When we do this consistently, day in, day out, then the mind will um, form a habit and when it forms a habit like that and we carry on with it, then we'll be able to get into the jhanas, into absorption. 
but this all happens little by little. And initially, there's just a small amount of samadhi that arises. But as we carry on, then that samadhi becomes a habit of our hearts. And just like our bodies, they get hungry, and we know that now is the time to eat. Or they get very tired, and we know that we have to rest then. And we have times during the day when we eat and we rest. So our heart's the same, and samadhi is the same as well. But when we develop samadhi at consistent times, then when we reach that period in the day, the mind will just want the stillness and the coolness that our meditation practice gives us. The heart will want to rest. It's just like we're low on batteries. And so when the mind is low on mindfulness and on samadhi, then it needs a recharge. So we come and develop mindfulness and we make our minds firm and strong in samadhi through keeping this word buddha going or through watching our breath or we can do them both together or we can contemplate into any aspect um, of the dhamma um, and there's no need to doubt about which aspect to use we just use whatever brings our mind to a state of calm it's natural in the beginning of the practice for there to be a lot of doubts. Um, and I was just like this. When I started to practice, I would wonder how I could make my mind peaceful. There'd be all these thoughts going on, and I'd want to get the fastest path, the shortcut method to peace of mind and to samadhi. But this wishing or this desire for just having a fast quick method that made the mind even more stirred up and hot and agitated. And really, there isn't any fast path. Just like if we're going to get a university degree, there's no quick method to do that. We have to study for many, many years. Or if we're going to succeed in our work, there's no um, fast track to that. We have to keep at it for a long time. And samadhi is just the same. It requires consistent effort. So it's not all that easy, the training and developing of our minds, but it's also not something that's too difficult. It's not beyond us humans. Because if it was beyond us, then the Buddha simply wouldn't have taught us. But if we practice um, following the teachings of Lord Buddha, then we will understand and see into the Dhamma. It just has to be that way. And the Buddha taught humans for a reason, um, that we can develop along this path, that we can maintain our morality, and we can keep our minds on the four foundations of mindfulness. And these foundations um, f uh, form a strong landing for the heart, or a, a strong foothold for our minds. They're what our minds can recollect. So this is the recollection of the body, of feelings, of the mind and of Dhamma. And just like a house needs a strong foundation, or we can see that nowadays um, there are a lot of computers, a lot of technology, and there needs to be some uh, very strong 
um, protection for those computers so that people can't hack into them and steal our information. So the mind is the same, and this protection for the mind is samadhi. It looks after our hearts, um, doesn't allow all of the sense impressions to enter in, flooding our hearts. It um, can stop the mind from getting caught up in um, attachment and ignorance and clinging. So we should always be taking care of our minds, training them constantly through this recollection, um, whether it's any of these, these objects of recollection of the Satipatthana. So we can pick up the body, for instance, um, and use that to bring the mind to peace. And as we do that, then the mind will become peaceful at times and will experience a tatanga samadhi, a temporary samadhi. The mind can then let go for periods and experience a sense of ease that comes through the arising of wisdom. So whatever method we use that gives the sense of ease and contentment to the heart, then we just do that, we use that. And as we persist with that, then um, samadhi will come up and banya will arise following that. Our doubts will lessen. In the beginning, there may be overwhelming doubts, huge numbers. And this is quite common for monks who have just newly come into the robes. We learn about the vinya, our monastic code, of which there are many, many rules. And um, we're told that we have to keep all of them well. And we have this great intention to become monks and to keep our sila of a monk. We have this faith and really trying to put our best into the practice. But this can all be a source of doubt as well. We have to realize that doubt is an obstacle to development along the path. But if we practice and doubt and just carry on going with these two at the same time, then wisdom will still come up. We'll have a faith that is informed by wisdom. And this will work to lessen and relieve our doubts. We'll gain an understanding um, through our own um, knowledge, our own seeing, into the nature of the practice and also the nature of the vinya, of the monastic code. So all of the great teachers um, taught uh, that it's not all that difficult. They taught in an easy-to-understand way, that simply whenever we're standing, we're sitting, we're walking, we're lying down. We have mindfulness of what we're doing. So we just practice following that, and there's no need to get into doubts over that. But because we, uh, most of us have come to this practice, um, having heard a lot, having read a lot, this can all be a cause for the mind to be very unsettled and chaotic. It can be fuel for doubt. We can um, wonder what it is that we should be doing in the practice. So what's important is 
to um, bring up. Oh, sorry. What's important is is for us to really see for ourselves. And so, just like when you come into this hall, then you see for yourself what's in here, and there's no need to get into any doubts about that. And so, with the practice, it's important for us to just come and see for ourselves what's there. We have faith and mindfulness, and this leads on to wisdom and an understanding that arises within our own hearts. This wisdom that comes up, seeing that all physicality and mentality is not self, this is true vipassana. It's the wisdom that arises from meditation practice, as bhavana mayapanya. In the beginning, however, all the meditation that we do is to bring our minds to peace. But it's not that the samatha practice is not good. And it's also not the case that vipassana practice is not good. They both need to work together. Because if our minds aren't calm, then there's no way vipassana can arise. And just as when we pick up a knife, we pick up both the sharp and blunt sides of the blade. So when we do the practice, we pick up both together. And when we cultivate this practice, then both work together to give rise to wisdom. So when the mind has wisdom, then it'll be easier for it to calm down and to bring about peace. The foundation for this, however, as the Buddha taught us, is that of sila, of morality, and also the effort we put into maintaining our mindfulness. And whenever we experience any aramana, any sense object, any sense impression, then we try and let go of that. And if it's an unwholesome object, we abandon it. Our meditation objects and any um, wholesome objects in the mind, then we cultivate those and develop those. We always follow up on our minds. And anyone or those who uh, take care of their hearts will free themselves from Mara's snare. So this heart of ours is very important. And just as we want a clean house or anything that we own, we wish to have that clean and tidy. And so we need to tidy up our minds and make them clean as well. So all of us, we have faith and we have um, the sense of sacrifice. And by maintaining sila, then we um, that in itself is a method of sacrifice and of not living in a selfish way. And then we go to um, cultivate our minds through samadhi because even though we may have sila, the mind can still be proliferating and thinking a lot. So we need to use mindfulness and samadhi to solve that, to have mindfulness in the body, in feelings, in the mind, in the dhamma so that we can um, let go of any of these emotions or um, aramanas that may arise. So when we read about these things, they can often be quite different from the actual lived experience. We can read about the arising of 
clear insight and wonder how that happens, we read that we see the body as just being a body. There's no being, there's no soul, there's no self, no other there. And then from this, wisdom comes up. But when we actually experience it, then it can be quite different. And there's no words that go along with it. There's no speech there. There's just the arising of wisdom, but it's a wordless arising. The mind sees into the nature of our bodies that there's, they're not self. And then it becomes empty. And there's a happiness, a joy that arises uh, within that. This all comes from us being devoted to walking along this path of sila samadhi panya, of morality, um, a collected firmness of heart and of wisdom. And this is the path that the Buddha taught us, this noble path that's of great value. So in order for Buddhism to travel to us and for us to have the opportunity to be Buddhist, um, it had to travel from India, um, from Assam in India, and then slowly it reached Thailand. And from Thailand, it spread all over the world. And this path that the Buddha taught is of the highest value. It's this noble path. It can lead us out of suffering. And no other vehicle in the world is able to take us away from stress and suffering. But this noble path can do that. It's the highest of all the paths, the most noble. So having given rise to samadhi, then wisdom comes up. And vipassana manifests in the heart, knowing and seeing that the body is just the body. Feelings are just feelings, the mind is just the mind, and Dhamma is just Dhamma. And we can let go temporarily, um, and our minds experience an emptiness that comes from that. With the mind empty, it'll um, get an insight into Nibbana, and understand that Nibbana is there for sure. Wisdom arises that is... um, informed, uh, sorry, faith arises that's informed with wisdom. And we'll have energy in the practice. We won't have to force ourselves to practice anymore. We'll have this intention, this um, devotion um, to this work of meditation and a great faith. And we'll be able to do many hours of sitting meditation, walking meditation, until our minds experience emptiness. With this experience of emptiness, there's a freedom and a liberation that comes temporarily from the sense objects. And as we develop that, then the mind changes lineage from initially from that of a putogena to someone who's thick with the defilements, to someone who has a good heart. And then from that to a noble heart. And we understand this through reading. We've read about these different stages of the practice. 
But when we see it in our own hearts, then it's, it's crystal clear. And it's just not the same as when we've read it. We see how there's this bank, that of the world, and there's the other bank, that of Dhamma. But when we read about it, we get into doubts. And we wonder, well, if you know that the bank of Dhamma is there, then why don't you just go? Why come back? Or why stand on this bank? And we think in that way, but the truth is that in that stage of the practice, the heart doesn't have enough energy to go over permanently. So it has to come back to this side. But we know that there's another side there, and we see that within our own hearts. We'll know that um, Nibbana is there, and because we've seen that other side, but the mind has to come back to this side. But it knows what that other side is like. We know what the experience of that is like. So there's great, and we know what we have to do to get there. So there's this faith and effort or energy, mindfulness, samadhi, wisdom. We won't have to force these things to happen. We'll be able to take good care of our hearts so that they don't go and attach to anything. So just like us coming here on Saturdays and Sundays, we have the faith to come and no one needed to force us to come here. We have this sincerity in our um, making of merits and coming to the monastery to get up very early um, to cook the food and drive all the way here. And some people have come from very far away. And even before this day, there was probably the intention to come many days prior to that. So we all had the faith, and we've all had the wisdom as well to be able to arrive here. We have this faith in the Buddha, the faith in the Dhamma, faith in the Sangha. And then from that faith, then our effort and energy flows forth, and we're able to take up the precepts like we just did before. So commonly people take the precepts from the monks, and that's one way of doing it. But another way is for us to mentally make that determination to keep these five precepts. We do that within our own hearts. And in the end, we determine to always be looking after these precepts, for them to try and never let them slip. And from that foundation, and wisdom can come up. Because there is that cause, um, or oh sorry, samadhi can come up, because there is that cause for samadhi. We know what this side of the bank of the river is like. But we also see that the other side is that of emptiness. And we know that when we can gain an emptiness of heart, then the mind calms down and it's able to let go of all the frantic emotions that it can feel. And then even though we will be living in the world and will be surrounded by these sense objects, the mind won't be stirred up by them. They'll separate out, just like water and oil. So the mind separates out from the sense objects. And we can live in the world, but still experience emptiness, even though the mind is engaged with the world. So having this 
um, sacrifice and faith, then we come to uh, develop a practice and bring our minds to calm so that they can um, come to a state of emptiness, so that they can let go of the clinging that they normally have and turn empty. Because we know that if we don't let go, then the mind won't be able to experience this emptiness. And as we carry on practicing, then we can gain clear insight that will allow us to permanently cut off and destroy the defilements. And this is where a noble heart arises. Be able to stay in the world, but not get caught up by the world, not spin around with the world. But initially, we need to rely on forbearance and effort and developing a mindfulness through these four foundations, seeing that the body is merely a body, feelings are merely feelings, the mind is merely a mind, and dhammas are merely dhammas. We carry on bringing our minds back to these objects until they experience emptiness, seeing that there's no self, no me or mine in them. And through that, the mind will be able to be in the world, but abide here in peace and calm. So I ask for all of you to develop and grow in the Dhamma. <clears throat>